Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Back to Basics program with Rabbi El Shalom. We are back from the Pesach vacation. Hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful time. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the return of the Jews to the land of Israel after thousands and thousands of years in Gullah spread all over around the globe. We are finally back in a Jewish state. What could be better? But then today is Yom Ha'atzmaut, uh, the Israeli Independence Day, and there are a lot and a lot of people who are very against it. So is it a good thing or a bad thing? Let's get right to it. I'm Israel Yudkowsky. You are listening to the Foundations Podcast. All right, so this episode is a special episode. Um, it's not only talking about, you know, things that happened in the past or things that are imuna. These are things that are we are dealing with in our current generation. We're dealing with it every day. It's uh, something that's happening in front of our eyes and something very complex and confusing. Very, very confusing topic for today. And that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to, you know, uh, make some sense of, uh, you know, to the best of what what I what I understand from from rabbis, from great rabbis today. Um, these things have a lot of disputes and uh, a lot of arguments. So I'm going to try to run away from them and try to make peace and try to get to some, uh, you know, understanding of the sugya. And if you're wondering, what am I talking about? I am talking about the return of the Jews to the land of Israel. The return of the Jews to Eretz Yisrael, which, um, you know, happens to be that maybe if you're listening to the episode when it just came out, it's around Yom Atzmaut, the Independence Day, the Israeli Independence Day, 1948. So, you know, uh, we're going to talk about all the hashkafa around it, all the, you know, um, confusion and, you know, what can, what, what should I be thinking about this whole topic? It's not necessarily about the day. We're going to talk about the day, but it's about this whole, uh, what's the Jewish perspective? What is the Torah perspective of the return in 1948 of the Jews coming to the land of Israel, right? And as we all know, there is a big conflict between the religious Jews and the non-religious Jews in Eretz Yisrael. You know, if you're American, you're listening to this from the United States or many other places around the world, right? I know we have listeners from all around the world. Um, maybe you're not living this conflict. Yisrael, you and myself, we we grew up most of my life. I came here when I was when I was six. I grew up here, you know, and I've been back and forth all the time. You know, I work in a summer and uh, every summer in the I go there for two months. I've been a lot of back and forths, but you know, I grew up here, and you grew you grew up in this. Uh, you really, really live this conflict between religious and non-religious Jews in Eretz Yisrael, and it's kind of based all around this this day, the the Independence Day. It starts from there. The conflict starts from there. The Israeli Fourth of July. Right, right. If you want to call it that way, for Americans. And uh, many Americans that I spoke about this topic, they don't seem so 
you know, some some more, some less, but they're not, they don't feel this is the, like the biggest issue over here when you live in Eretz Yisrael. Yeah. It's one of the biggest issues you face on a daily life. When you're on a bus, there's so much heat, there's so much conflict, there's unfortunately so much hate and resentment from both sides. We're going to, we're going to talk about that. It's not always like this. It's not like you're always walking around like, oh, who's looking at the, the, but, but it definitely like you feel it. All the yeah. time, all over. Yeah. Like it's not you that every time friction. you get on a bus, it's going to happen. No, but, no, I, but you know, yeah, yeah. But we it's live a, it. But we live right, it. Right. Once in a while, you'll yeah. you'll you'll see you'll witness in my life. You could probably for also sure, point for sure. Into a lot of occasions that you got to the conflict between religion, not religious. You see it on the news many times. You see all these protests and everything, and yelling at each other and calling each other names. And the politicians, oh, oh they they obviously always amplify the problems. And and they, they you know they just magnify all those episodes, uh, you know on the news or whatever. But we're not going to talk any politics, Bezrat Hashem. That's not our point here. We want to talk straightforward, you know, a Torah perspective, and trying to see it because you know I cannot come with my oh I think that this and this fits in the Torah. I only can say what our Gdolim, what our great Sadikim, uh, what they show us within the Torah, and we can try to kind of like put the things together uh, and put together something to make sense over here. So let's start some history. Let's start from scratch. How this all happened. How are we right now in Israel over, what is it, 7 million? I think there's 9 million in total. But there's Arabs, if you minus the the, million million and a half Arabs, about 2 million. Let's say around 7 million, let's say. Probably a little less. There's a lot of the Russians that they brought in, but yeah, there's Whatever, for sure roughly, over six million roughly, Jews. Roughly, let's say over six million Jews um, that are here, and the majority of them are secular in one way or another. There's a lot of Baruch Hashem. Most of them are traditional, and Baruch Hashem, they have a heart, heart a warm heart towards Yiddishkeit. In general, generally speaking, like you see on Yom Kippur, um, you know, most of the country is closed, and shot. You know, there is a certain uh, feel on on some on some levels depends where really it's, it gets very complex depends which uh, city you are and everything yeah, yeah. and uh, which ethnicity you are more Sephardi more Ashkenazi and it, it's it gets more complex but generally speaking uh, unfortunately most of them are not observant right and you have a group of incredible uh, huge cities that are full with Torah and yeshivas and everything on the other side. How do we get to this? I don't know how to describe it situation, uh, which is mind-boggling. We're back all the Jews. There's over six million Jews in Eretz Israel. There's yeshivas. There's Torah. There's we daven by the Kaisel, you know, and, and so on. So a little bit of history to put things in context. You know, you you land into a kid that's born in in 2021. He looks around him. He's like. I mean, he's a baby, but he grows up a little bit, and he's he looks around. He doesn't. He's like, "This is strange. How does this all happen?" You know, if you learn history, everything makes sense. That's why it's very history is very helpful to understand today. You understand the origin of uh, like every how everything came to the situation today mm-hmm. gives a lot more clarity and understanding of things you see around you. So a little bit of you know a little bit of history, a little bit. So. Um, many, many years ago, uh, there was a guy named Theodore Herzl, okay? Herzl grew up 
in deep, deep into the Enlightenment that started over 250 years ago in Europe. You know, it started for France, Germany, and spread throughout the whole entire Europe, the Jewish Enlightenment, the Haskalah, which literally destroyed, destroyed Kimat almost, um, the the religious, the, the, the Jewish tradition, everybody, they be all, uh, you know, vast numbers became secular. Um, there was the famous saying of, I think it was Mendelssohn, Mendelssohn, he was one of their first, uh, he was a big Talmud Chacham on one hand, and he, and he was actually, he's one of the ones that gave a lot of ideas start, and started the Haskalah. So he had a, I think it was him that said, be a Jew in your house and a mensch and a, a mensch, a normal person outside, okay? Um, and it went on and on and on, so till you get to, to, um, to when Herzl was born into a total secular family. He knew nothing about Judaism already. He was, it's not that he, his parents were, relig- were religious and he went off the derech, as they say. No, nothing. Um, he grew up into like many secular Jews today that we know that they grew up into a family. They don't know nothing about Torah. They don't know Shema Yisrael. They don't know nothing. In America, you really see that people are living in the middle of nowhere with no, absolutely no connection. It was, it was something like that. Herzl, he, um, he grows up into his family that knows nothing. And yet on the other side, there is a um, huge amount of anti-Semitism in Europe. Okay, anti-Semitism was 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 getting even worse. Okay, which is interesting, which is a different topic right now. We're going to touch a little bit later. So, think about a non-religious. No, so religious Jew growing up with anti-Semitism. You know why we're hated? We're hated because we are Jewish, and I'm practicing Judaism. But once you're a secular Jew, you're you you're only Jewish because you were once upon a time many years ago. Your father was born to a Jew, and his father was born to a Jew, and that's all. You just come from the uh, that ethnicity. But I'm not acting. I'm not. I don't have a beard or payas, and I'm not practicing Judaism. Don't know what Torah is, but yet you're still hated for being a Jew. Okay, so that obviously bothered a lot of Jews, that secular Jews, that, that this was kind of a conflict for them. I'm I'm just like you, my fellow goy right, in university, and I'm still hated for being Jewish. What, what, what does that mean even? I don't know what Jewish means almost. And it really hit him hard, you know, so he grew up, he was a, he was a journalist, Herzl, and um, anti-Semitism was flying everywhere, and the very famous story happened in, in, in France was Dreyfus trial. You heard of Dreyfus? Dreyfus was a, he was a Jew, Secular Jew in the army. He had. He was on a very high rank. He was a general in, in the French army, and um, very. Uh, you know, he was assimilated. He was not. Didn't have a beard and pace. He was totally assimilated, and they made him a fake. They they, they accused him for spying and everything. They stopped. They made a fake trial, and it was clear, pure anti-Semitism. Just because he was a Jew, they wanted to get rid of him because he was getting too high on the rain. And um, Herzl, uh, he he went in to to you know be a, to give over the story for some newspaper that he was that he was working for as a journalist. 
And he knew it was all a frame. Everyone eventually found out it was all framed. And um, it hit him hard. It hit him really. It's something that he knew before, but it hit him really, really hard that look at that. They hate us purely just because you come, you're a Jew, no matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you act, what you say, what you do. You be his best friend, be secular, no matter what. You're hated just because you're a Jew. Now, he was trying to think about the Jewish solu- the, 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 the Jewish solution. What's the solution for the Jews of how do you get rid of anti-Semitism? And he came up with something that even today, you know, secular Jews will say that he will, that he's wrong. He came up with uh, what he 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 thought that the solution is that if you have a Jewish state, a Jewish sovereignty, right? We have our we we live together and we have our own state. And he realized the problem is because we're different. Somehow we're always going to be different. But if we're going to have our own country, we're going to be uh, and and we're going to be another country in the world, just all the Jews together, not mixed. Because the problem is we're we're this Jewish people mixed with others. If you just put them all together and have their own country, that's going to solve the problem. That's what he thought, and that's going to get rid of anti-Semitism. He's obviously wrong. Obviously, from a Jewish perspective, you don't need to go too deep into that because we know that that's not why we're hated. Why we're hated is a is a different topic, right now. But um, um, but he, even from a secular perspective, he was totally wrong because you see, we have a Jewish state, seventy something years into the state, anti-Semitism is on the rise actually now, lately. So obviously that, and obviously you know, there was. There's a whole argument of, of you know, anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism is, is the same thing. And it's probably the same thing. There's a lot of debates that go into it. But as it seems, as we know, from, definitely from a just perspective, it's still pure anti-Semitism. So obviously Herzl was wrong, even from a secular perspective, right? That it doesn't help to have a Jewish state. It's not going to get rid of anti-Semitism. They won't suddenly stop hating you. They're going to come on you and, and fight so this your country. just a condensed thing to, to bash Exactly. Go after. They're all together. Let's yeah, get they, them. They don't need to look for the Jews all over the world to go after them. They're like, oh, they're all at the same spot. Great. Exactly. Makes our job much easier. Just create the UN and boom, we're good to go. <laughs> exactly. So so that's why we all know that in the first early Zionist um, uh, congressional, what was it called? Congressional Zionist um Meetings, they were talking about, they were, Herzl was about, they were looking for a place for the Jewish state. They were thinking about Uganda. Okay? Uganda was one of the options, meaning there was no, that was part of his solution, just get rid of Judaism. We don't, we're not connected to that thing anymore. We're just Jewish people because we came from those, from that ethnicity, and we just need to have our own place no matter where it's going to be. We just need to be like everyone else. And then slowly, slowly, we're going to get rid of, anti-Semitism. He was so wrong. Not that he was wrong. He was so wrong that, you know, there was arguments over there inside. They said, after all, come on, our place is our origin, where we came from, or where we came from, from Israel. So it has to be Israel. Back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, so they agreed. And that's when they started the Aliyah. They started slowly, slowly fighting towards that idea. Um, you know, the rest of the history is known, how they started the aliyot, the small aliyot here and there. 
And um, they started, you know, making Yishuvim over here in, in, in Eretz Yisrael. Now, it was still so difficult from so many perspectives, from a British perspective. The, the, the Brits were here. They obviously wouldn't allow it. And then there was the Arabs that really didn't like it. So we had a few problems over there for it to actually happen. What happens? Um, 1933, everything takes a turn. The whole world takes a turn, but especially for in, in our perspective, for the Jewish perspective, everything changed. No matter what they, they were thinking and planning, um, the Zionist movement, something beyond everyone, anyone's comprehension happened in 1933, the rise of the Nazis in Germany and Hitler. And basically, this whole period of time, starting from 1933 till the end of the war, 1945, right, April 1945, when Hitler um, apparently burned himself, um, um, what happened to the Jews? We all know he wiped away the, the, the European Jews, six million Jews, and the rest that spread around, you know, some went to America and some came to Eretz Yisrael. And from 19... 19- 45, the end of the war, till 1948, which was, which is Yom Ha'atzma'ud, Independence Day, when the, when actually it was not like liberation, when they ended, actually when it started, when the war started, right? When Milchemet HaShichur um, actually started. And Baruch Hashem, you know, and the, there was terrible casualties and everything, but Baruch Hashem, um, uh, there were incredible miracles there, and and um, and they were able to declare, uh, you know, the, the state and uh, victory on that war. But in the, but there was some there was something uh, more significant than that. Actually, if you think about it, in that three years there was an, a window. You know, to have a Jewish state officially that the that the nations will agree for that would never happen will never, ever happen. There's enough anti-Semitism out there and enough hate to Jews. They would never allow. They would, no one, if you would tell it to someone just uh, a few years before that, that there'll be a Jewish state, no one would believe you. That, that the UN, that everyone will agree to have a Jewish state. And we know that it barely passed as is, right? Yeah. But... You know, without going into all the details over there, right, the whole drama that happened in the UN when they were asking for the Jewish state, there was that, those three years, within those three years, Hashem made a, a matzav in the world that they actually felt, you know, I don't know how much we can, you know, they felt kind of pity. for the. There was some, what's the word? Rachmanus. There was <laughs> Rachmanus. There was some pity for the Jews. And Hashem, you know, you know, worked out that that exact that time and, and it passed on such a, because the Arabs were pressuring not to pass it. And it passed in the UN. And that's how they were able to declare the state. So you see one incredible move that out of the the thing that we cannot even describe how horrifying, how terrible the Holocaust was. Uh, uh, you don't need me to say it. We all know um, 
that this is one of the most devastating things in, in history. We we cannot compare it to yeah. today. We all well, compare it to Holocaust. of the Jewish nation was wiped out. It's crazy. Yeah, a million and a half children, children, holy children that 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 died. Six million over six, way over six million today. They estimate uh, Jews that were killed brutally in so many ways, and um, Dafka. From there, from that horrifying churban of of the European Jews, churban mamash, um, came something incredible. And this incredible thing that we cannot, you know, when people when it when it actually happened, people couldn't believe their eyes. People couldn't believe that actually the Jews are returning to Eretz Yisrael are starting to return, and the Jews started coming in the masses, and then we know the Aliyah of all the Middle Eastern Jews, right? From Iraq, Iran, uh, uh, um, uh, Morocco, uh, Yemen, Yemen, you name it, all the Arab countries, the Jews started pouring in. So, definitely, so if we're going back to Herzl, Herzl didn't plan that, right? That had nothing to do I can't say nothing, but definitely Herzl wouldn't ever predict this outcome, right? He had nothing to do with the Jews' perspective of it. Definitely, he was secular. And maybe he, you know, he was worried about the Jews being, uh, being targeted by anti-Semitism. Okay. But he had nothing with the connection of, of Jews to Eretz Yisrael. I mean, they talked him into it at the end, but... But his idea was really just to, the opposite, get rid of our Jewish identity so we won't be targeted. Okay? Um, what happened at the end is that we came to Eretz Yisrael, Dafka to Eretz Yisrael. And then this new, this new Metzius, this new reality started. Okay? What's the new reality? You have this kind of split within the Jews. You have these secular Jews that are putting incredible effort into building the state. They were fighting in the wars. They were building the infrastructure. They were, they were building streets and cities. Not that they were not religious people. They were religious Haredi people with, uh, you can call it, black yarmulkes fighting in Milchemet in in the first wars. And definitely, there's no question about it. But, you know, generally speaking... It was the Zionist movement that, the, you know, the, the secular movement here that were actually building Eretz Yisrael. Okay? No one could argue with that. They were building Medinat Israel. They were building Medinat Israel. yeah. When they declared on Yom Atzmah, they, they said Medinat Israel. There was, there was an argument over there um, if to write Besiata Dishmaya at the beginning of the, the Declaration of Independence. Did they? They didn't. But they managed. There were some religious people on the panel. They were they were obviously the the, the minority, but they argued really. They they tried their best. They agreed at the end to write Hatsur Tamim, Hatsur Tamim Paolo. Something that don't catch me, but something with Tsur. That Tsur is one of the descriptions. Tsur Tamim Paolo is kind of a description of God. That's the mm-hmm. that's the the further uh, furthest they wanted to go. Okay, so we're going to talk soon about this perspective. I'm first just talking dry. I'm not saying hashkafa yet. History, like we I'm said. I'm talking what dry happened? history. Facts. This is what happened. Facts. So the fact is that the the 
a new reality happened. The secular were building the country. Like you said, Medinat Israel, they were building, uh, you know, when Ben Gurion said, Israel. That's when he did that. That's That was the beginning of the secular movement building the country, building Medinat Israel. They, they built cities, they built, they built the government. The Arabs wanted to wipe, wipe us out. They couldn't. They tried many times. And guess what? They're still trying. But, um, you know, you have Hezbollah till today, okay, even without going into Palestinians, which is a different, slightly different story. But you still have Syria and Hezbollah. But in 1967, okay, Six-Day War, uh, you you start, uh, you saw that they, they came they came al-Das, they came with in mind the Arab countries, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, they came with the mind of wiping us out. They said, this is yeah. the, we're preparing for finishing this for once and for all, of course. They came with that mindset without any doubt. And you see, Six-Day War is actually what, what changed everything, the incredible miracles, the open miracles that happened, the, the, the things that are unbelievable. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. The Six-Day War and Yom Kippur and all this stuff, it's... Yom Kippur was a slightly crazy. different story. It was, yeah. you know, was... Uh, was no, I'm talking about the, like, Nisim, the, right after. It just doesn't make any sense. There was one time there was a Jewish soldier in the American army, and he was learning, he was in the class and becoming a commander. And... Part of it was learning about uh, war strategies, you know, how to win battles. So what they used to do is obviously learn, study wars that happened in the past all over the world and kind of study, you know, what they did right, what they did wrong, when they, you know, wars that they lost, what made them lose, when they won, what made us, what made them win. Not not Africa, the American army, just, you know, wars all over the world. Um, and they never studied any of the Israeli wars, like not the Six-Day War, not the Yom Kippur War, like any of them. And this, um, you know, Jewish soldier, he like felt like, what is this anti-Semitism? Well, you're so against Jews, you're not going to, oh, because we won, like you don't want to spread out the word. They're like, oh, the Israeli, you know, army was so good. So you're like, a chutzpah? Like, oh, what is this? So he like one day he went to one of the guys in charge there you know one of the commanders or whoever and like he asked him like hey like why like what's up like what is this anti-semitism why aren't you studying the jewish wars so he said oh it's nothing to do with anti-semitism it's we i mean we obviously studied them down to the detail and we still do the reason we don't teach it teach it and like learn from it is because nothing about it makes any sense (laughs) Just like zero, nothing. Like, what are you going to learn? That one tank beats a thousand tanks? Like, it's, it's just, it just doesn't make There's any no sense. There's no strategy over There's there. There's no strategy over it. Like, just <laughs> none of it made any sense. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, we, we study it all the time. We're still trying to figure something. Like, how did it even happen? Like, if if you would tell someone, like, even in Hollywood movies, they don't do such a thing because, like, the, like it's the stupidest thing. Like, it's, just, it's <laughs> come, uh, on. Come, come on, come on. Like, it's not, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. So, so, so that's why, like, we don't teach it because, and, and like, sure. it's, it's crazy. Six-day like, war is definitely out there. Beautiful yeah. story. Yeah, the Arabs definitely came to wipe us. 
And without those incredible miracles that happened, yeah, it wouldn't make sense that we would be here, such a small country with millions of Arabs around us. Yeah. So that's definitely, you could say, uh, you could say, um, what were they thinking they wanted? To, they, they, they were fighting by Mysterious Nefesh. They, they put their lives, everyone, they, they, we know of so many people that kill themselves over, um, you know, uh, being here. Again, so we're going to soon get to the Ashkafa part of it. But like we said, these are facts. So uh, in the new reality that started happening is that you had the secular Jew being busy with that. On the other hand, you had the religious Jews here that lived here. Um, the more famous ones were the great tzaddikim, the Sephardi rabbis in, 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 in Yerushalayim. You had the, the, the you know, Rav Ezra Tiyah, you know, and the Parat Yosef, the Yeshiva Parat Yosef. And then you had the Ashkenaz, you had the Chazanish, and more that they took on a very different mission, a different thing that had to be built after the war. Because after the war, after the Second World War, the Jews were wiped out physically and spiritually. All the yeshivas, all the Jewish life that was before, there was a lot, Baruch Hashem, there were a lot of yeshivas, there was a lot of people that were still specifically in Poland, specifically more Hasidim, that they stayed more religious, generally speaking, that was all wiped out. All the Torah was wiped out, you know, besides the, the mir that went to Shanghai, uh, and, you know, some small groups of, of yeshiva, yeshiva boys. Judaism was wiped out, was almost wiped out. And people like the Chazanish realized that you got to do something radical. You got to, just like, you know, the secular side was doing radical stuff, on building the country spiritually, you had to do radical things to 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 save Judaism. So wars stop it started physically, and there were also spiritual wars. If you look in the history, in the early history, there was a lot of wars between the religious and non-religious. There's a lot of stories that we don't know. There were wars about Shabbos. When secular Jews were driving around with their trucks and cars and everything, and the religious Jews were, were, were in pain, they said, you know, Judaism will be wiped out. The same pain that you felt of the, 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 the Jews being killed by Arabs and everything was also to see Judaism being killed. Okay? It was, mm-hmm. it was incredible pain, and there was a lot of wars and a lot of conflict. There was mamash wars. I'm, like talking, about, also... I'm talking about violence. In, in places like Gula and in Yerushalayim, on Shabbos. Yeah, all the demonstrations. Demonstrations. The, yeah, there were, yeah. were mamish wars. Yeah, also, for a lot of people who have been in the Holocaust, like us, it's like, like whatever. We live it today, especially in America. You have the non-Jews. Like, we'll oversee cars, see businesses. Like, it's, you know. But to truly understand why it would bother someone so much. You have someone who for years and years was in concentration camps and you have these incredible stories of people who, like what they did to light a Hanukkah candle, what they did to put on tefillin even just one time. And like literally they risked their lives and many people even gave up their life. But you have someone who for years and years is going through the Holocaust, not only the physically and mentally uh, pain and suffering. It's also like through all that, he is fighting like 
every tiny mitzvah he could do, he is risking his life a thousand times more to do it. And are you finally out of that and you just have people just like not care? Like I fought, I almost gave up my life to keep Shabbos and now you have someone who is like driving a car on Shabbos? Like what? Like it it must be like so hard. Right. There were a lot of secular Jews that came out of Holocaust, but there are a lot of religious Jews. Right, right. I'm talking about the religious. But Rebbe was saying that religious Jews. No, a lot of the friction actually came from from the Yeshuvah Yashan, actually Jews that were here already. Here here already. And they were fighting against also a lot of secular Jews that were here already before. Mm -hmm. Not all new. But it was mixed. I mean, these two things. Yeah, Yeah, but just like it's not like to understand like – how much more it bothered them. Right. You came here and you're making a Jew- – exactly. That was the point over here. The point over here is that we're making a Jewish state without Judaism. Okay? Yeah, if you want to make a state, make a state. If you want to make a Jewish state, Jewish then state, like what's Jewish about it? Let's make everything you know more misudar. Let's say like this. So you see, largely speaking, you see these two – it splits into two ma- massive – buildings here in Israel, okay? The secular Jews are building the actual, the, the Gashmis, you can call it, the, the physical, physical part of Israel. And then there's the religious Jews that are putting all the effort into building yeshivas, like the Chazunish, he started the Kolel idea, which is, you can call it, in a way, it was an extreme because the woman went to work in order to support the husband. So we can say, because the, the Chazunish figured out, and he it was proven to be right, that without Kola, you're not going to have the next generation of Gdolim. Uh, and you won't have Torah. You won't have Dayonim. You won't have Torah to continue. Yep. You won't have that. And he was absolutely right. We see it today. So so uh, look where the conflict is happening. You have a, one group fighting to, to the spiritual part of it and one group fighting to the physical aspect of it. And they obviously um, uh, you know, conflict with each other. Because they're not the secular are not taking care of the 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 largely speaking of the of the religious part and the religious part are not taking care of the physical part right they were not in the army they were not part of him because there's huge differences over there so okay before we I'm going to talk also about the army issue over here the army issue is a very sensitive uh, um, you know issue to deal with uh, I'm I'm going to talk a little about the army issue over here, which is very sensitive emotionally, and then we're going to start getting to a conclusion over here and trying to understand the hashkof over here. You see, uh, the army conflict started because army in Israel is, you have to, it's a draft, you have to, you have to go to the army, you turn 18, and you have to go, and, um, um, you know, in America, they don't understand this, but over here, I mean, they used to, today, everyone knows but you you had to go into the army. Now the army is an institution. It's even it's more than an institution. It's it's the army, right? You mm-hmm. have uh, a, a general that tells the commander. The command you have a commander on the uh, you know on top of you. He tells you what to do. I don't really care about what your feelings or your or your you know your. So okay, so generally speaking, there is. They have kashras and everything in the army, but largely speaking, whoever takes the, the decisions in the army, whoever really runs the army, is secular Jews. And that's where the conflict really hits hard because the army is a very sensitive topic, unfortunately. There's casualties. There, there were wars. There's terrible blood that was shed for an incredible 
for, for saving the Jewish people. Okay. On the other hand, it's a non-religious institution. So what what should I do? I can't uh, be in that institution. I can't send my children to that institution. On the other hand, of course, that's where the heat over here is. A lot around the army is because um, a secular Jew would say, "I send my son to the army, and I'm I'm risking his life. Literally, we send him on the on in, in to the war, right?" And 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 you're sitting in, in in yeshiva, drinking a cup of coffee. Okay, that's how they 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 see it. Um, so there's two parts of it. First of all, we first of all view that with without the Torah, we don't have schuskim. We don't have uh, the right to exist. The Torah is what keeps us alive. That's one perspective. But the other one, the other perspective is is it, where it gets more complex. That okay, I I would love to be. You think I don't want to fight? For the country, you don't. You think I don't want to save Jews, but I. It's a. It's it's a non it's a non religious institution. How can I send my child to there? I can't. I technically cannot do that. So you see, um, unfortunately, okay. So I'm going to talk about when we get to the general picture over here, but that was the conflict that we have with the army between a secular Jew and a, and a religious Jew. You know, and it's a very, very emotional uh, argument because there's there's pain. There's a lot, a lot of pain and grief that goes into this issue. It's a very hard issue to understand. Hey, everyone. I'm interrupting this wonderful conversation to let you know about a fantastic, one-of-a-kind book that Artskull has recently published titled on the shoulders of giants. Rabbi Shmuel Bloom, who was involved in leadership positions in Agadis Yisrael for over five decades, takes us behind the scenes to gain a unique understanding of Das Torah in all its glory. Rabbi Bloom met with Gedoli Yisrael at Moetz's Gedoli HaTorah and in quiet, urgent conferences. He chatted with them in cars and on Shabbos afternoons at conventions. He shares with us stories, many of them not widely known, of generations of greatness, from the Chafetz Chaim to Rav Aaron Cutler and Rav Meisha Feinstein, from the Geir Rebbes and Rav Aaron Lane Steinman to Rav Dun Segal and dozens and dozens more. We also meet the Jewish people's Askanim. We are amazed by first-handed stories of Mike Tress and, of course, the incomparable Reb Meisha Sher. In his years in Agudah, Rabbi Bloom also met with the highest echelons of the U.S. government, and he shares his behind-the-scenes understanding of great political events and movements. It is a book you definitely should not miss. Get a copy today at archgirl.com, Amazon, or at your local Jewish bookstore. On the Shoulders of Giants by Rabbi Shmuel Bloom. Get your copy today. I would also like to let you know that every few weeks throughout the Back to Basics program, we are going to have a Q&A with Rabbi Liel Shalom. So if you have any questions or just want to get a little bit more clarity on any one of the episodes, send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com. That is jewishfoundations at gmail.com. Every person whose question is answered on the Q&A is going to get a free copy of the fascinating book On the Shoulders of Giants. So send in your question today to jewishfoundations at gmail.com and you might be one of the lucky winners of the fascinating book On the Shoulders of Giants. And now, let's get back to the show. I'm going to say now something that's maybe not so popular, but when it comes to Yom Atzmaut, right? Should you be happy on that day? Should you be happy as a religious Jew? And you should be happy every day. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. But should you be happy that actually you're living in Eretz Yisrael and you have... 
Ah, I mean, it's also, yeah, a house. Sure. You have a, a country. You have a city. You have a country. You have people on the border that are protecting you. You have cars. You have of food. Course. Of course, right? Of course, goes without saying.、Mm-hmm. I don't know why people will like, like need to think twice about this, right? Yeah, we should have tremendous hakaras atov that Hashem brought us to Eretz Yisrael. Through miracles upon miracles upon miracles, after all the war and everything we went through, and definitely Akar Satov, listen to this, to the people that did it. Now, what I'm saying is could sound very controversial, but wait, let me explain. On one hand, incredible things happen, and we should be the most happy people on planet Earth. We came to Israel; we're finally here. And obviously, Mashiach didn't come. And based on something that's put to what it is in the meantime, is miracles upon miracles. What a love of Hashem to, for us to be in this in this place. It's incredible. We should dance and sing. I know Matzmot. However. On the other hand, and I'm going to say something I didn't say till now. There's a whole other side of the coin over here. Let's we cannot ignore the facts, the the reality. As a religious Jew, right? As a person that cares about not only just Jews existing, but for what we stand for to exist, which is Torah. We know that the same people that built this country. Um, if you go into history, these are facts that people don't like to hear or talk about. Definitely not secular Jews in Israel, but、um, you know the hundreds of thousands of Jews that came from the Middle Eastern countries were largely speaking all one hundred percent religious. When I say one hundred percent religious, there are people that kept Shabbos. Largely speaking, they kept Shabbos, Torah, and mitzvos. You know, some were maybe less, you know, educated in Torah, or you can call them more.、Uh, you know,、uh, I want to say Amarites in the terms of the Torah, but they were not fully Torahic. You know, in Iraq, for instance, there was some sort of the Elians. They came in that there was some、uh, form of enlightenment in Iraq, okay, but definitely not in Yemen, and、uh, def- you know, Iran and Morocco. Where you can say almost a hundred percent of fully religious Jews, in one way or another, but they were all religious, keeping Torah and mitzvahs, all believing in Hashem, all praying and saying Shema and putting out tefillin and saying and keeping Shabbos. What happened to all those thousands and thousands of Jews, hundreds of thousands of Jews? What happened to them when they came here to the to the country? So you know, people don't like to talk about this. But the same people that built the country, they stripped them from the from the Yiddishkeit in different ways. You know, they put them in the kibbutzim, and in some in more extreme cases, they cut off their payas. We definitely know the stories with the Yemenite Jews. It was more like clear by them because they came, they had the simanim, they had the payas, and they. And but the the, the levush and you know I I know this from firsthand. My grandfather, from my father's side, he came from Iraq on 1950, and in Iraq he was religious. He grew up religious. He was not. There was not like there were not yeshivish. <laughs> there were not.、Uh, it was not. But his father definitely was was in the. His father was in the shul of the Benishchai, 
Wow. They were they were religious. Fully religious. Yeah, full religious. And he came here and he um he became secular. Baruchem later on in age sixty eight he became Baal Shuvah. after my father wow. became Baal he became a Balchuva. He was Choser Bechuva. He He became religious. He became a Chazan of a Shul. He just passed away this year. My grandfather, Yaakov Ben Chaviva and Yechesko. And um, so I know it from first hand, and everyone knows this. It's just something that's uh, for for a lot of secular Jews. It's uncomfortable to hear because some of their fathers were in the, were on the other side. Um, you know, what happened in the kibbutzim, what happened, these stories are, are very clear. Something incredibly sad, if you want to talk about the independence, the, the start of the Jewish state, with the happiness and tremendous akaras that we have for the great, incredible things that happen, in the same package, you have millions, you hear this? Millions of Jews that don't know Shema Yisrael, they don't know Hashem. They don't know they're not they're not religious just from the same act of those people that built the country. Directly, same same guys. So what am I supposed to do? Isn't this confusing? Yeah, like so you the, have first time on the one hand you have someone who, you know, thanks to them, obviously they started the government. So you see all the Jews from all over the world from Gullus, you know, he came back there to Israel, we have our place. Um, I mean, so incredible. You could go to the Kosal and Davin. I mean, I, you know, it's it's crazy. Shuls, but the Medrash is insane. But but then on the other hand, you have, you know, the other four million, you know, More. yeah, Jews that... The that majority of them keep, are not religious, let's put it this way. That a lot not of them... Not keeping Shabbos. Yeah, that a lot of them would be keeping Shabbos if not for definitely the they came Israel, religious right? they the, came for religious for 2,000 years in Yemen in, in uh, Yemen and these different places they have Jews there for 2,000 years their families was there you know keeping the Masorah keeping tournaments 100% Jewish come here boom right they all lost it we all know it we all see it but people listen to this they rather not like close their eyes and close their eyes from this no you cannot do that that's painful for as 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 a not as a, only a religious Jew as a, as a Jew that wants that that believes that our kiyum that our existence is only because we kept the Torah we kept our relationship with Hashem in Gullus when in the last two hundred and fifty years now it's more it's almost three hundred years that Jews were were taken away and, and you know from because of different, you know, situations and different people and different movements and different groups of people were taken away completely from their religion to say that that's not a painful, sad thing. So on the same day that you're remember all the, remembering all the great things that happened, right? And we should have tremendous Akar Satov. You need to have, you have to have. A person that doesn't have Akar Satov, he's lacking in, in, in his Yiddish guide. Part of your Judaism is to always have Akar Satov. When you have something good, you have to make your tofa. I have, I'm right now saying it on the microphone, I have tremendous Akar Satov for the people that build this country. But I cannot shut my, close my eyes from the reality, reality of millions of Jews being taken away from their father in heaven. So what do you do? So over here we're talking about, obviously, Hashem made this whole mahalchim, the mahalach, this whole uh, uh, 
process. Hashem did this whole process, and it's very confusing. And that's by, that's what I told you. That's creating this incredible conflict uh, between a religious Jew and a non-religious Jew in Eretz Yisrael because I see this side and, and he sees that side. Um, a, a non-religious Jew, he sees, hello, we're saved. We're not. We're not in Germany now. Being in in a gas chamber. You, what are, what's wrong with you, religious person? What are you complaining about? And the religious Jew looked at the non-religious and he says, "What are you talking about? There's millions of Jews that don't know what Shema Israel is. That are not keeping Shabbos at all. How can you not paint?" You see, there's no talking points over here. There's no conversation. There is nothing. There's uh, no understanding. We need to have a conversation about. The fact that they, you know, brought everyone here and made a state of Israel, which is amazing. But then we also need to talk about the other thing, which is that they stripped the Torah and mitzvahs away from. So that side won't talk about people. it. The, the non-religious right. so side won't talk about that. Each one of them is talking about and only the religious one thing. side exactly. won't talk about the great things that. Right. So uh, you're, you're that arguing and arguing, but you're talking about one thing. You're talking about another. It goes back to the first episode about arguing about, you know. A Lamborghini, if it's a car or a sandwich, one guy's talking about cars and one guy's talking about a sandwich. Right. Like, it's not, you know, this, you just, there's can't no discussion. Over right. There's it's no discussion. discussion. You're not getting anywhere. And that's why you see, you see in reality, there's absolutely no discussion over there. I go with my, I think I mentioned earlier that I, I go with my father. I used to go now, Corona and all these stuff. You go to um, army bases, there's some donor in the, in, in, in America, in New York, that he gives a nice amount of money. We go, we make a barbecue, we buy stuff, extras for soldiers that, you know, and my father gives them chizuk, he gives them, uh, we make them a, a whole suda, and my father speaks, he gives them a lot of chizuk, buys and gives them a lot of love. He has this place also in the shuk, my father is there every night. Yeah, yeah. In the shuk, he gives a lot of, a lot of, a lot of avas a lot of tremendous, tremendous, that's what my father yeah, tries to do. Amazing person, I he was lucky to uh, meet him once, there. yeah. He does. He tries to do a lot of achdus between, uh, uh, you know, religious and non-religious Jews. That's his like life mission to bring the Mashiach through the achdus of Kali Israel. That's uh, really my life's my my father's life's mission. And um, I had discussion many times. So soldiers would look at me now, uh, you know, secular soldiers look at me. This guy with a black yarmulke coming and 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 I, I tell them you you're you're. Thank you very much. You're, you're my, I have a car satov. They go in, in, in terrible situations. They're in, they're down yeah, in the desert yeah. once they we want their life. I mean, you know, liter- what, uh... we went the last time I was there with my father. We were on, we we're 700 meters from the border of Gaza. They were in a camp there on the border of Gaza. Okay. In, in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nothing. In the desert. Yeah. It's like down towards Egypt. Yeah. Uh, on, really in the southern part of it. And um, and I, I I'm t- I'm telling him my car stuff. So many times I get these faces like they try to understand me, like what's going on over here. This guy's religious. He's supposed to like hate us because I'm not I'm secular and like and soldiers. You hate soldiers like from people hate soldiers because they don't go to the army. And you see that's where it gets so complicated. And I tell them I tell them things like car stuff. You're doing a mitzvah. And I have also I have also students in in, in yeshiva yeah, yeah. that they've been to the army or just came out of the army or go to the army, and with to, uh, it's very hard to make the distinction this distinction between the fact that listen we don't agree 
I, I don't agree with your hashkafa, with your way of life. I don't agree. I cannot. Uh, the army is a secular institution. It's not. It doesn't go by Torah. Um, you know, you know the the bottom line over there is not a das Torah. It's not being led by Torah, and that's why I can. But it, but you are in a situation that you are. You know, you're not religious. You're born not religious, and you're a soldier in the army. You don't know better, and he's not taking. He's not giving. He's not the general, right? He's not running. He didn't found the army, right? He's just a soldier there. And what is he doing, Tachlis? At the end of the day, he is saving lives. They're doing a mitzvah of saving lives. So, uh, um, someone once was arguing back with me. Said, "Yes, but if they get an order." To do it, uh, and it's not a das Torah. Who said? Th- who told them to risk their lives? You know, in some situations, maybe you're right. No one told them, but definitely in many situations, many situations, probably most of them, probably I could say, is they're literally saving lives, no matter what. That uh, even a das Torah would tell them to go and yeah. do it and or whatever, or risk their lives for it, mm. right? So I don't know exactly what, but large, largely speaking. They probably are doing even according to Torah, incredible, incredible hatzalas nefashos every second, risking their life, being most nefesh. You don't have a korosatov for that, okay? So you see how a lot of people have uh, religious people have a hard time to separate these two feelings. On one hand, I can't give a gushpenka in, in Yiddish. I can't give, you know, uh, uh, um, legitimacy to the institution to what it's to. To a non-religious institution that's guided by people that are not Torah observant, I can't give it legitimacy on one hand. I know that they have the units for the religious people. That's a that's a sub discussion. It's a whole discussion. But at the end of the day, the people that stand in the head of it are are not are like I said. It's it's even more than an institution that's run by a secular um, um, leaders. To make this distinction between okay, I don't agree. With that way, it's against my ashkafa. It's wrong in my perspective. But at the end of the day, he is helping me. He's saving my life. And he's doing tremendous, mysterious nefesh. And I need to have hakara satov for him. I need to have hakara satov for them. And th- that's why people like look at me shocked. On one hand, religious, and I'm, I can't send my, I can't. That's why I say I don't. I don't say I don't send my children to the army. I can't. I can't. You know, that's why a lot of religious people, they go to Zaka, they go to Hatzala, they go, because they want to give, of course, what do you think? We're, we're aliens. We don't want to help. We don't want to, the opposite. We should be more the people because the Torah, observing the Torah is teaching. If you're following Torah already, the Torah is telling you how much you need a Moser Nefesh and how much you need to do Chesed. Just, so that's why I think we need to change the word of saying, like, I can't send them. I can't. There's there's a technical problem, and also besides the fact that we also need to take care of the Torah. So you need to have, uh, you know, at the time of David Amelech, he would set up the army and he would set up the people that would sit and learn Torah because without those two things, you see, that's the idea. And that's what I believe. <laughs> this is already my input over here. So don't you don't have to take this. But you see, I think only Mashiach will solve this problem. Why? Because at the time of David Amelech, why was it a perfect balance? Because the same person, David Amelech, the same king, he took care of both. Of, of both of the physical aspect of the country 
and the spiritual aspect of the country. But when you have a situation, right now we have a situation that the religious is taking care of the religious, which is super great, and the secular taking care of the secular, which is super great. We have to have that. But they're, but it's not each one is taking – it's not coming from the same source. So it's obviously imbalanced. It's, it's not it's – not, there's no – like we said, there's no talking. There's no conversation. It's not happening. Happening. This is not taking of that. It's not taking of that. And that's why that's creating this conflict, this war. It's Mamasha war. That's what's creating it. When Mashiach comes, we're going to have one leader that will take care of, I mean, part of the promise of Mashiach that there won't be a war. So we won't, he won't need to take care of the war, but he will still take care of the physical aspect and the spiritual aspect. That's Malchus B'Zidavid. It goes back to the episode of Mashiach when we spoke that that's what Mashiach needs to do. Mashiach is here to give us an incredible situation in this in this physical world uh, on a being a, on a very elevated, uh, high spiritual in this physical world. So just to conclude this whole very hard topic, back to what we said. That this is very for uh, if you pick Yom Atzmaut, it can be any day, but Yom Atzmaut when it all comes up. There's a lot of tension that goes in in Israel, you know, when the siren, when they stand in the siren and this and that, when they do the ceremonies and everything, and the shops need to be closed and release, oh, and this, uh, all the Havganos and whatever, anti-Zenit. That's when it comes out. But all year you should be concerned about this. But, you know, when Yom Atzmaut comes and you're thinking to yourself, should I be happy or sad? So what, what am I supposed to do? As As an... Torah observant, forget about religious, not religious, I don't know. I Torah observant, I just came from Har Sinai. How do I look at it? How would I, if I would ask Moshe Rabbeinu, how do I look at the situation? Right now, the situation is incredibly fantastic. I mean, yachasit, um, compared to us being in Golis in Europe, right? Unfortunately, we still didn't, don't worry, we're, we're not there yet. This is not the end, definitely. And I'm not going into this big discussion if it's Atchalta de Geula, Ikvisadim Shicha, uh, how much and go or not even without getting like I told you I'm going to avoid all the arguments it's not the point the point is right now in the situation that Hashem put us what is my Hashkaf about it so are you ready for this I heard this from many rabbis but specifically Rabbi Bridowitz he put it Bridowitz, he put it in a in a very good perspective he said well on one hand, you have to live with the tremendous Akarasitov and also to live with the with the pain that where we are spiritually and that there's so many, if you really care, so did I be happy? I'm happy. Am I sad? I'm sad. What? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes Judaism asks you to, uh, we ask a lot emotionally. But yes, uh, right now in this situation, you need to make this chiluk. You need to make this distinction between and have hakarasatov and happiness and tremendous hakarasatov to Hashem, number one, and to the people that did it. You have to you have to live with hakarasatov. But on the other hand, to pain and to feel the pain of what we're still missing and where we still need to get to. It's a very confusing day. Yep, and it stays that way. It's confusing, and leave it that way. I leave it the way. We hope it will get. We hope we won't have. Like I told you, Mashiach will come, 
it would definitely solve the problem of each each the religious thinking of that. Rabbi Bredowitz says that you know many years ago there was a Haffgana. There was a huge demonstration. I remember I was there when I was a kid. I remember what was the year. The Bagats, the 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 the, the Israeli court, high court, they wanted to make some decision against I don't even remember the full thing. And there was a huge demonstration showing that, you know, we stand for 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 Judaism, that we're here in Eretz Royal to live as Jews. That was basically the demonstration. And there was incredible talks and everything. It was a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. Everyone came. There were not there were no burning gar- garbage cans. There was no yelling, no screaming. It was so peaceful, so beautiful. It felt like, I remember it, it felt like Mashiach was coming. They estimated of eight 800,000 people were there. The Rabbi Bredowitz says, I won't say, I can't say this, but Rabbi Bredowitz has, it, it might sound for some people, some people will take this controversial, but Rabbi Bredowitz says that if at the end of those beautiful speeches that they spoke about how much we're standing for uh, 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 being in Eretz Yisrael as Jews, as practicing Jews, and it was tremendous Kiddush Hashem, if at the end, Rabbi Bredowitz says, if at the end we would also recognize the other side and at least the good side of the other side and say how tremendous they are doing efforts to, to you know, if he says if they would have a tefillah, like a, a lot of uh, uh, from communities do this. Again, it, it gets, very, it's, I'm still not solving the conflict over here because it's still really, there's no talking with each other over here because each one is afraid from the other side. But, uh, you know, Rabbi says that at the end they would say we, we have, but we do have tremendous for, for the good things that they're doing for for the for the soldiers that are Moser nefesh and everything. He says this is Rabbi Bredowitz, He says Mashiach would come. That's what he's. I can't say that, but he said Mashiach would come. Why? Because that's when you would really have achdus. Like he brings Kamaim upon him, upon him. Shlomo Melech says. That when you're, th- it's the fa- when you think good about the other, so he's going to think good about you. It's re- it reflects your feeling reflects Kamaim upon him the same way you feel about the person. He will feel about you, right? If you resent the person, if you're calling him a goy shegitz Nazi Amalek, right? So he will also look at you as a parasite, as a as a as a weird lowlife that's that's, that's just uh, taking all the money of the country and everything, right? Um, that's because it's going both sides. But he said, if there was over there a demonstration of looking at least at the at, at the good again, but it gets very confusing because a lot of religious Jews are afraid that you know if you do it too much, you get too close to them, so you might get right. influenced by them. And the secular side right. it's says, very, it's a if, very, it's a very, if uh, the thing, my kid, I'll be, you're making this country too religious. You're pressuring me and everything. So I didn't come here to solve the problem, but at least for you. For you that are listening, that's listening to this, and I, I did myself a big favor, of thinking this way, getting myself out of this confusion. At least I'm not solving the problem, but I'm getting myself out of this confusion and being very realistic, more realistic than the two sides. Being very realistic about really truly seeing, I think that what is the Jewish hashkafa over here, is viewing it. Yeah, Hashem does things. He does the same thing. We compared a lot actually to. Megillah's Esther, that everything was confusing over there. Ha <laughs> ha. If you would live at the time of when the story of Purim happened, 
It was also very confusing. Haman wants to totally kill us, and everything. And then everything flips, and everything. It seems to you that you almost came to Eretz Yisrael, and then and then we came to Eretz Yisrael. That's that when the, the Geula came at the end. But before the Geula, there was a process. There was calculations over there with the years, right? Everyone was sure this is the end of the seventy. No, that's the end. There was some Hashem doesn't make it so simple, right? Emuna needs to be strong. Only if you have strong practice and generally in your life, you hold strong. And these, when Hashem is, as they say, Hashem puts a a a, 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 a string, and you're walking in it, and he's he's shaking it. If you don't, if you don't hold tight, you'll fall off. This is the time that you need to hold on tight. So that's kind of holding on really tight, and really trying to look at it very clear of like. Holding those two feelings together, on one hand, having a karas a tough, tremendous akaras a tough as a Jew, because that's what Judaism is teaching us. On the other hand, the pain and um, um, the, the 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 terrible things that are that are actually happening, and not to to like uh, get into this illusion that everything is okay. Come on, you gotta. Be, I think it's it's important to be realistic. Why not just to think it and and also to go and do. That will influence us going, you know what we should be doing on this day? You should, that's why there's a lot of people that do it. Again, there's also argument over there. Why do it on that day? Do it on a different day. That's always argument. And this argument will never end. But some Jews, they go and they do a lot of Torah. They do a Yom Shekulo Torah. There's a lot of shuls around the country. Someone started this incredible uh, thing that they make tons of shirim in all the shuls around the country and Yom Atzmot because everyone's off and everything. Go listen to Torah. So you're taking this, right? That's kind of that living those two things together. I understand there's a chorus of those people that did here that fought and that spilled their blood and most are nefesh. So I don't agree with them on their hashkafa. They, they, maybe they didn't even, some, the, the heads for sure, the, the, the people that started it, not all the people that did it, but the people that started definitely did it for the wrong reasons, like we said, Herzl. And many, many others, they did it for the wrong reasons, and they were Rishayim, out, straightforward Rishayim. We know it from other facts. Uh, that's clear. But all the rest, the soldiers that are doing it, all the people that were in that Mitzias, I'm not here to judge how much the Rishayim or not, and how much they did it on purpose or not. Rather, if I agree with their Ashkafa or not, I have a tremendous Akarasatov for what I have. I cannot not appreciate what we do have and where we got to, and we have tremendous, outspoken, clear Akarasatov, right? On the other hand, to explain and to talk and to, like Rebbe says, you know, to have the Akarasatov, so it's going to come out in your life, you know? Like saying to a soldier, I appreciate how much you're Moser Nef and tell him what a Tzadiki is, even if you don't agree with the institution that he belongs to or the Hashkafa that he belongs to. Or the fact that he's not keeping Shabbos. I don't agree with him that he's not keeping Shabbos. I think he should keep Shabbos. I think it's much better for him to keep Shabbos because that's what's keeping us Jews. And like Rav Shach, the famous Rav Shach, uh, the famous speech that he gave in Yad Eliyahu in the, in the stadium, Yad Eliyahu, there was big politics going on over there, but we said we're not going into politics. But he said over there, uh, the whole elections were depending on him. And he was saying that the, the party... Yadu Torah, they were fighting for, for having Yiddishkeit in Eretz Yisrael, right? And he was saying, he was asking the famous question, what makes you Jewish? Like, you're saying you're Jewish, but what does that mean? 
Okay, so of course I think that means, of, of course, being close to Hashem, keeping the Torah and mitzvahs, we're not going to go into it and go listen to all the other podcasts and go learn Judaism if if someone doesn't believe in it and, and you know, you want to argue, you want to fight. Okay, and I, I you know, I, I don't, I think you should keep Shabbos. But on the other hand, on the good things you're doing, on the fact that he's Moser Nefesh, you should say thank you, you should have a car as a top. And call him for a tzaddik for that. You know, if a person, we the Ramam teaches us that if a person does mitzvahs, right, and he does also also does averus, he's going to get punished for his averus, definitely, right? What about the mitzvahs he did? If he's not in the gather of Russia, which a lot of these people are in the gather of Tinoch Shanishba, right? The vast majority of them, you can say, generally speaking, are Tinoch Shanishba, they don't know better. They're together I'm not saying this. Actually, Poiskim that say it, that's brought down La Aloha. Largely speaking, again, there are some exceptions, but largely speaking, it's together in Tia So on the Averos that he does, that he's aware of and that he knows of him, he's going to get punished. But what about the mitzvahs he does? So it doesn't cut off. He's going to get reward for the mitzvahs he does. Rishayim Hashem pays him over here, and then he gets rid of them. That's for a Russia, a person that does lahachis. To get into the category of Russia, boy, you got to work hard. Okay, it's not Pasha to be a Russia. <laughs> you know, especially on the Tinoch, if he doesn't know exactly what he's, talk, what he's doing. So for the mitzvahs he's doing, even if I disagree with him, he's not keeping Shabbos and everything, but for the good things he's doing, and definitely what affects me, that we're here because of those, he's right now, he's in the, on the border of Moser Nefesh, and because of that, an Arab didn't come out, come in and kill the Jew. You shouldn't have a car. What, what kind of thing is this? You have to have a car. It's an Avera not to have an Akar Asatov. It, it goes deep into it, what, what Avera it is, but definitely... Uh, it, it, like it doesn't have us. to be all or nothing. You know, you could appreciate a favor that someone did for you and at the same time disagree with something else that he is doing. Right. Like, you know, you could... You could, you should, you need to, you know, kind of divide the two. I'll notice the good and I'll notice the bad. For the good, I will thank you. For the bad, I will argue with you, I guess. Exactly, no good. It's not that like, oh, you did one thing bad, so now like, oh, I don't care that you did also some good. I'm just, no, goodbye. I don't want anything to do with you. No. Right. No, just divide the two and thank you for this. I disagree with that. I'm not okay with that. Right. And that's totally fine to, you know, I mean, literally all human beings are, are different. There's no two human beings are the same. You're No matter, take anybody on planet Earth, there is going to be something that you're going to disagree on. The Rambam. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just so, like their faces are different, their opinions are opinions different. Opinions are also I once came yeah. up with this line of, you could disagree 100% and yet love him 100%. My For sister sure. made a poster out of it. You could disagree 100% and you can still love him for him being a Jew, for him, a culture cane, doing a lot of good things. Look at the good thing. So that's what really, that's what Robertowitz's point was that, you know, what, that maybe will create the discussion. Once you recognize, with all the fear that goes into it, with all the risks that go into it, also speaking with each other. That's the only direction that can solve it, and you're gonna uh, definitely won't help to call him a disgusting person. He's a Russia. He's a ugh, don't want to talk to him. He's a. It only will help to discuss. Are there really bad people? Of course, there they are. 
Guess what? On both sides, no guarantee. Because there's Torah, it doesn't say you follow the Torah. Because you have a yarmulke, it doesn't say you follow the Torah. Right? It's not like you're born with a yarmulke. Boom, you're the best person on earth. No, you got to make yourself a best person on earth. You don't become a best person on earth like that uh, without hard work. You need to make yourself a best person. You're not just born a best person. It doesn't work that way. Torah is there. It's giving you a tool to make yourself the best person on planet earth. That's what the Torah, the Torah is a power. Okay, I'll say even more. I don't know why this has to do with this episode, but I got to say this. I have to find a place. Maybe I said it with the oranges. I did say it. The Vilna Gaon. Vilna Gaon. The, the Vilna Gaon says that the Torah is compared to water. Water makes things grow, right? It's a power of making things grow. It says Torah makes things grow. It's like a power to make a human grow. Okay? However, says the Vilna Gaon, depends what you have in the field. If you have, if you have oranges, orange trees growing, you planted oranges in your field, so the rain will come, that power of rain nourishing, it will come and make those beautiful ah, f- oranges grow. It's going to smell beautiful. It's going to look beautiful. Ah, you ever saw an orange tree? Yeah. Ah, beautiful, yeah. right? But if you have thorns growing in the field, that same water will come and make the thorns grow. Meaning, says the Vilna Gohan, if a person is working on himself, has good meadows, so the Torah will actually come and make those meadows, whoo, make him a superhuman, superman. But a person that has bad meadows inside is not working on his meadows, actually the Torah can come and make him worse. It's a very scary Vilna Gaon. I, I saw, I, like, I, I didn't know what to do. Only the Vilna Gaon could say it. So actually for this episode, I can give like the best bracha that we need today because it was very, you know, practical. And obviously there's yeah, a lot, yeah. not that much that goes into this topic. There's a lot of controversial stuff over here. There's a lot of arguments to hear here and there halachically to say halal, not to say halal, this, that. Not going into all these, I was trying to lay like a basic foundation, what something to think of and to start from there. And the best bracha we can give ourselves today, and it's no yeah, even like Jews that are not living in Eretz Yisrael, you definitely should wish for this. Everyone, everyone should wish for this, that we will get to a state of Kalal Yisrael being together, together, being Jews that are together spiritually and physically, and. What could be better than being Zolcha from Mashiach, like every bracha ends, but this is like so appropriate. What will be better than to have Mashiach that will bring us to a state that no longer will have this conflict? Because we're going to become a lot more elevated, get over all this hatred, get over the, unfortunately, the very low state that we are in so many aspects, right? And be Zolcha Hashem to not to be confused anymore <laughs> on this day. And this day should be just a, a day without any confusion, a day of full happiness that Hashem will bring us all over here like He brought us, like He brought so many millions of us already. And this incredible thing is happening already. But it should head to the very soon, to its destination of bringing us together under the kingdom of Mashiach, with Beis HaMikdash, that we can elevate ourselves, bring ourselves, so we will zocha chaye olam haba.
So that is it for today. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you were able to learn something new. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful day. We will be back next week.